and welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest this week is Royston Langley. He was the lead singer of the band Space Hog. Their best known single is In the Meantime. It reached 32 on the Billboard's Hot 100 in 1996. However, the song has gotten a new life thanks to placement in the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 movie. It's been reimagined along with the rest of the band's debut album, Resident Alien, thanks to Royston on his upcoming album, President Alien, out tomorrow. We discuss the follow-up to Resident Alien, the Chinese album, and he tells me who has a better copy of the version of that album. We also discuss his boxing career, and he formally issues a public apology to Sean Lennon, find out why. I really enjoyed my conversation with Royston, he's a real character, and I hope you do as well. So, Royston, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure, Noel. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, uh, President Alien comes out July 14th, which is like a uh, reimagined, like kind of stripped-down version of Resident Alien, uh, Space Hog's first album, very successful album. All those years ago, I don't want to make us seem pretty old, but it just seems like yesterday that album came out. Uh, <laughs> what What was the idea of this project? And like, was it kind of like born out of the age of COVID? Well, I mean, it was born out of originally, you know, me making music, my vocation, my life, you know. Um, uh, It just happens that this particular um, series of recordings were done during the sort of COVID sort of liftoff and, and sort of, and then all the songs were recorded back in England, which which is uh, I hadn't recorded there. So the last time actually I remembered I recorded there was in Chipping Norton, and it was in nineteen ninety five before Resident Alien had come out. Okay, and we went there to do a version of uh, Senses Working Overtime. Oh, XTC. The chi- yeah XTC yeah. tribute record.
With a guy called David Yazbek, okay, and who went on to do this like really huge uh, Broadway play, but he was producing rock and roll at that time. We went, I think it was Radiohead's, our way Radiohead had recorded in uh, in um, near Chipping Norton. Um, so yeah, that was the last time, and then yeah, I. Um, I found myself sort of staying there because the project I was supposed I was doing something over the sort of holidays of nineteen twenty sort of thing in England in London. Okay. My son was at school in London at the time, and my family obviously Yorkshire still and all that. So, um, um, well, not obviously, but they are some of them, and um. The, the the gig I had a gig in New York to play bass on this guy Stephen Solins's record. Okay, really really cool cool lovely chap. Um, but because of the sort of precariousness of, of the world, this was about March by this stage. Um, decided that we would sort of postpone the recording session, and uh, so that left me in England and. Um, you know, it was the same. My son was there, and so I just stayed. And I ended up, I ended up getting this really amazing place in on the sort of gateway to the Dales in in a little town. And um, I just found it a really good place to work because okay. it was so quiet, and it was it was I hadn't really been back properly since you know I was twenty one, and uh, all of a sudden I'm you know approaching winter of my 50th year right and uh the whole world is dying and it's like this it's not a whole lot of time it feels like you know sometimes and uh there's a lot of suffering you know i think and yeah. people are quite isolated and i think you know firstly i started playing on like facebook live and doing just playing in my mum's house on the piano, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right. singing songs. And it seemed to really soothe people. And it was yeah. really cool. So so I formed this uh, collection of people around the Patreon thing. And and I, that's really where it came from. I'm so grateful to those people because they, they helped sort of hold it for me over a period of a year and a half. Otherwise, I don't think I would have done it, you know. Um, because um, I'm not really one for sort of personally, I'm not one for sort. Of, I mean, nostalgia is interesting and and has its thing, you know. Right. But I'm not one as a writer anyway. I'm not. I don't. I can only sort of go onwards, you know. And that's really important that that one thing leads to another, as they yeah. say. Um, um, in that way, for me anyway. Otherwise, I get really a bit. Um, disjointed, I think, yeah. as, a, as a as a, and then I don't want to do it, you know. 
uh, all. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that yeah. kind of almost three year period. I mean, there was you no know, touring almost like two years for across the board in the whole industry and, you know, music sales are, you know, nothing in, anymore. So I, I know a lot of people, a lot of artists went the way you did with the, you know, the streaming and the Facebook, the Facebook lives had the pandemic been five is 10 years earlier. Could musicians survive? Well, yeah, man. I mean, musicians have always survived. I don't think there's any reason why <laughs> they won't in the future. You know, right? The law of averages suggests they will, as Viv Savage might have said. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, you know, we've like, been doing it since feudal times. You know, right? Since you know the court. <laughs> and uh, you know, no, really. I mean, that's really where it comes from. It's, uh, it, you know, it's it's just a way of getting out and doing the washing up. Yeah, so you right. can, you know, keep your hands softer. Yeah. Um. But, you know, whatever. Right. So, what made you pursue this career? Um. Oh man. Um. You know, I, I don't know. I just sort of. I wanted originally. I wanted to go to art school, like a lot of musicians. I think it turns out, and um, due to certain uh, certain happenstance around that time, and also my sort of socio-economic um, limitations, put me in a situation that wasn't particularly, you know, um, creatively positive for me. So. I had to sort of move beyond that. And right. that's always been the thing that I do, you know. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So that's what I was doing there, and it's uh, still the same today. Right. Like, you know. <laughs> do you find your, like, process for writing a song, has it changed since you first started? Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course, because I'm not, I can't, <laughs> you know, I'm not 21 anymore. Right. Looking through that that particular lens, or, you know, of the, my experience is yeah. completely, right. you know, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm 51. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so you're more jaded now than you were when you were 21. <laughs> oh no, I think I'm probably less jaded actually. Okay. I was a lot more jaded when I was younger. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Oh, I certainly sort of closed down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so you, I'd imagine now you feel like you're a better songwriter. Well, not initially. I think I had. I think there was different periods. I sort of go in and out of it. I think when I was young, I wasn't. You know, I started off really young, twelve, sort of being in bands and whatnot, hmm. and um, and then I started writing songs a little bit, you know, and then I just worked on it a lot, man. You know, it's this sort of ten thousand hours thing I did before I ever came to New York. Right. Okay. You know, so a lot of those songs of Resident Alien were written before I ever got to New York. Hmm. So when I got back to do them, when I was doing them again, yeah, I was approaching them not as the recordings from Resident Alien, because they're just my songs, you know. Right. So I just had to go sort of inward, really. It was more of a sort of reaction to that as an older person, 
you know so and maybe people could sort of identify with that having had the experience they had when you know they were younger too you know um maybe not as old as me or you <laughs> i don't know how yeah. old you are bro um yeah i'm, I'm closing on you right now <laughs> yeah. yeah so you know yeah yeah were you able to relate to all all the songs as you were re-recording them? Of course, yeah, of course. I mean, um, of course, it's a vibrational thing, really. It's yeah. um, you know, in a way, the idea and the, um, yeah. I mean, I can relate in a nostalgic way. I can relate not in a, as I say, I can relate in a sort of in a mm. in a sort of um, you know, sort of as a writer now, yeah. you know, to my younger self. Um, but yeah, it's fascinating to to be in the same place where a lot of those songs came. Not all of them, not all of them. Some came from New York, you know, yeah. afterwards, you know, but a lot of them came from and uh, and be back there in this really because there was no one around, you know. It was like it's like being in some sort of dream in England. Yeah, it was, it was pretty beautiful actually. It was weird, the world was like dying. I felt horrible, you know, empathy for like people who couldn't see people, all that sort of horror, you know, people yeah. losing family members. And it's yeah. terrible, you know, um, and just the general sort of conscious anxiety, you know, that I had to sort of go somewhere. Yeah. And I think you know, music became really useful for that. Um, and you know, there's so much more we can do with the internet than we're doing. You know, it's hard. It's the some of the old sort of stalwarts of the old form of the music industry are still trying to be like, you know, um, gatekeepers. Right. But really, what it's really become about now are the curators. You know, and in a in a way, you, you know, the great thing about having a certain amount of experience and time hopefully there's there's a way to sort of curate all that and sort of like i say i think my next work is sort of bringing all of this together you know because there are like this sort of, yeah i mean because there you think there are pros and cons of like the streaming industry now i mean pro is you can get the songs anytime you want the cons are mainly for the artists for not, you know, getting paid what they rightfully deserve. And, but like, do you feel that it's kind of a necessary evil to have, to have like, you know, streaming sites for you? Um, look, um, that genie was out of the box in the eighties, you know, um, um, we're dealing with the, you know, with a with a new medium uh, uh, in a way because of the way that it's you're able to release things right you know that and if it's a, and unrelease things and put things out again yeah. I mean you know you can technically do that so you know um, I don't know is that a good idea I think there's something good about I think what ultimately becomes interesting for me anyway, say for a painter that I might admire, it's the body of the work throughout their life. 
that becomes fascinating um and all the good bits and maybe the not so good bits or but the, generally the whole thing you know so it's not for me to say right okay you know i only do what um do what i make but yeah, yeah. um but yeah i make things uh, in some ways very similar in a similar way to how i did when i was you know um you know 14, 15, 16, first sort of recording things. And, hmm. yeah. Yeah. So what made you tape. Set, Yeah. So what made you settle in New York for, for such a long time? I mean, I'm I'm a you know New Yorker, born you know, born and raised there. So like, well, what made you uh, you know first move there and stay there? Oh, I love I, I love New York, man. When I got there, it was like so emancipating for me. Um, You know, England and the sort of club and pub culture and the, the life, the university life. Not that I was, I didn't go to university, but it was around, I lived in a university town, you know, Leeds. Right. Um, so, well, that had a profound effect, I think, you know. And you're now in California, so what made you move out there? Um, same thing. I mean, right. same thing. Probably getting out of Leeds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I love Leeds. I love Leeds. Uh, I really do. I actually, that big, I have a record under the title. Leeds, right, Leeds. Under yeah. the name. Yeah, everything's dandy. And it's, right. it's cool, too. Um but um, yeah, I mean, I moved to New York. New York is just such a, a great place, a very creative place. Not just for me, but everybody was making things. It's great, you know. Was, yeah. And ultimately, that creates an environment of peace. I think, you know, because um, people are making things. They're not, you know, war. Yeah. War is easy to understand because it's, you know what I mean. Right. It's easy. It, understanding peace is very difficult. It's uh, what really is that, and really, it's 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 making it's creation. It's making things, you know, not just not just art necessarily, but you know, yeah. Also, all all spokes of life, you know, family and friends, right. and social life, and goddamn social life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So you mentioned Leeds. So what made you like? decide to release like an album under you know that name and not like your own name for a solo album um because i had this friend of mine and i i said man i'm, I'm i've made this music i want to put it out and uh but i don't want to put it out under my own name i said i said have you got any ideas he said well whenever you meet someone and he's my friend who's often with me and we were in different environments meeting different people and uh, my name often might precede my meeting somebody um and uh, that might make some sort of assumption you know uh or um but the second question is always where are you from you know and i would say leeds you know, yeah. so so he said why you just call yourself leeds and that was it yeah okay yeah 
and never let go of your hand is i love that song it's like favorite off that album it's really really good thanks sir yeah so then like the the chains ep then you just kind of reverted back to your 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 own name for mm. that yeah so is that just yeah. you just figured now was the time to well i didn't revert you know. back that that's the first time i've ever put anything out okay well name. yeah 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 i mean really that's the first really for me. That right. was the change thing. Yeah. Um, I'm just starting to build it really. Okay. And ho- hopefully people t- can take some of these recordings from President Alien and, and use them in other ways, you know, because I think they're quite, um, you know, sampleable. And yeah. I'm, t- I'm totally in for people using everything for without any, yeah. um, um, you know, but at least try it. Right. See. Yeah, try and get away with it. Right, because on um, the Chainsy P, you had a great cover of uh, Bowie's "Ashes to Ashes." And yeah, there's a lot of like info, thank you. Yeah, of Bowie and you know some of the Space Hog songs. So I'd imagine you're a huge fan. You're also touring with, with that with the the group, right? The, the Bowie tribute band. Well, I was, but um, I don't think I am anymore, man. No, okay. um, no. Uh, I think, uh, unfortunately, Peter Murphy's not doing so great. Yeah. So. Um, I'm sad to say, and um, I really wish him speedy recovery, but um, he's not very well. Okay. Yeah. Well, when you did that, how much fun was that experience? When I did do it before? Yeah. Oh, great, man. It was. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. It was a cathartic experience for me because... Um, yeah, I got to sing some of those songs with some great players. Right. I mean, I got to tour with Adrian Ballou, man. Right, you yeah. Know? It's like, he was my man, and uh, that guy's amazing. He's just on so many levels, yeah. like as a friend and as just, to, well, you know, we're not like, you know, we don't speak to each other all the time, but we had, I really just really enjoyed being around him and yeah. um, getting to hear his you know, experience and getting yeah. to share that, you know, and really intimately, you know, and uh, his lovely wife and just, just great, man. Great, great guy and um, great musician, just somebody to really right. um, get to sort of work and just to be around, you know, it's great. I love that sort of thing. And also, you know, um, I got to sort of make my own piece with Zig. For myself, you know, right. it was a nice thing, and I think maybe that might be it for me now on that. Okay, because um, uh, I don't think what's going on is going to happen, right? Um, because sadly, because of Peter, yeah. So, yeah, that's a, that's a real shame. Yeah, it is. Yeah, did you um did you ever meet Bowie? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's what I mean. It was a cathartic way for me to. To um, get to say my goodbyes, and I didn't get to say goodbye really. No, a lot of people didn't. Yeah, um, and I know a lot of people. There's a huge sadness felt around the planet, you know. Um, and um, yeah, I always feel like the the Beatles were like the first like kind of job creators in the in the arts. Everyone fell in love with the Beatles. That's all of this and then I feel the next generation was Bowie. I think 
Hmm. Oh, but we got yeah. people to you know to become musicians and whatnot. I think he was the next guy. Yeah, I think maybe he was, you know, and uh, yeah, but he was his own thing too, you know. He became he, all his myriad of sort of magpie um, yeah. styles. He, he was his own guy, you know, and just what a force, you know. He was yeah. a real force, and yeah, I was lucky enough to spend quite a bit of time with him here. There. Yeah. Oh, I had a few. We had um, we had a few moments together, oh, yeah. and um, I'm really grateful for that. Yes. Yeah. And he was such a generous man, right? Such a kind, generous man, you know. Uh, with all of that, you know, and he knew, you know, he knew yeah. I was a massive fan, and um, I was introduced by Alexander McQueen. Oh wow! Okay. And I'd I'd had the opportunity to meet Bowie a bunch of times before, and I always avoided it because um, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to meet him. Yeah, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready at that time. And then, okay. um, and then Lee, as he was now, sort of followed through and something. As he was, <laughs> he was a lovely guy. Yeah, and uh, he set something up for us to have dinner in New York, and uh, we did. And then it was, you know, it was, um, we were friends, you know, we sort of became friends. Right. He'd send me emails, he'd come pick me up sometimes, yeah. take me to his rehearsals. He knew because I had this strange experience with the record Low, where I got kicked out of school when I was 16. I wanted to go to art school. Okay. Kicked out of school and I had this thing called, you know, uh, I went to France and traveling and... I found out that from him that where I was at the time was near where he recorded oh, in wow. the chateau. I always thought he recorded it in Berlin, low, but he didn't record it in France. Most of it, I think, is in yeah. France in the chateau. So that was um, a favorite of mine because I would listen to it there, and I didn't know that it was recorded where I was, it was around <laughs> about. Right. So, and then. Um, yeah, I had some really interesting experiences with with um, with um, with Ziggy. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> they they just had a uh, Bowie fan convention a couple weeks ago in New York, where they had oh, yeah, yeah, the ma- ton of the people. flashes, <laughs> people with the flashes on the faces. yeah, they had that too, <laughs> and had a Bowie ball at night, and they had a bunch yeah. of people worked with him, you know, do you know conferences right. and, and you know speakers and it was it was i wish i could have gone it was like sold out and but um yeah i mean his music lives oh, on he's, he's oh, fantastic yeah 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 but, yeah it does man it does yeah yeah bowie's doing just fine trust me <laughs> exactly bowie, bowie be thy name up there right well in heaven yeah ground control right <laughs> totally <laughs> now yeah, like obviously the single that the band's known for in the meantime kind of has like a new life now thanks to Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, it was featured in the, in the movie and in the trailer.
you mentioned people earlier trying to sample your song when they take your song to put in a massive movie like that. I mean, it's got to feel pretty good. Feels great, man. Yeah, feels great. I I, I should stress at this point, I don't have any control over that stuff at this right. point in my. Yeah. It's sort of been removed from my hands. Okay. Um, um, uh, so, yeah, but it feels great on a sort of message level. I'm very proud of all my work. And obviously that song particularly has made such a um, connection throughout the planet that, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm humbled and, and, uh, and it's a real blessing because it's, it's, I think it's a good message, you know. Yeah. And I think it's it stands up today, you know. Um, yeah, I like the idea. It's a good idea. I think again, it's it's expensive. So, you know, with the movie, um, um, and the way that they've incorporated the composer for this brilliant composer guy, John Murphy, and yeah. um, Liverpudlian, fellow fellow Englishman. Um, just a really powerful force, man, um, you know, musically. And so, you know, <laughs> to be sort of surprised because I didn't know this was happening, you know. Okay. Um, uh, I'm, I hear it when everybody hears it. Okay. It's weird. Yeah. Even though I wrote it, you yeah. know, it doesn't, it's weird. So, um, but that's awesome, man. And it's amazing because, like, young people hear it and they think, oh, my God, I've discovered this really cool band that, you know, nobody's heard of ever. And <laughs> nobody really nobody really has for a long time. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, Space Hog was um, such a sort of bright light that burned yeah. out quite quickly. We were not able to hold that flame. Right. Yeah. collectively you know yeah. um as older i think interestingly we're talking about doing something next year oh, um, nice. okay. um this time next year um so we'll see right. if that happens um but either way man i mean i'm making music and yeah um, i'd be nice to play some shows obviously with the we were going to go to south america and um, whatnot with the Bowie thing, and that's not mm-hmm. happening yet. So, yeah, so I'm probably going to be, you know, um, going back to driving Uber. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, just kidding. Just right. Kidding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you, no, you'll do no, less no, instead. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. I'm working on boxing. I've started a boxing career now. So it's going okay. quite well. Yeah. All right. See. Yeah. It's uh, if you see, it, I got a little bit of an injury. There. It's uh, I broke my nose a few weeks ago. So Ooh. yeah, well, it's not. Yeah, yeah, Not the fight itself. The fight was good, successful, very successful. It was, it was just getting in the shower afterwards it was really hard. Right. It's not, it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> so those glass doors, you know, they're really yeah hard to see. Right, especially, especially yeah. for us. Hard of sight, hard of yeah. myself, hard of sight. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That's the one thing I have going for me. I got good eyesight. Everything else is already leaving my, uh, you know. So, <laughs> have you ever thought of boxing? Uh just video games. You know, the boxing video games. That's about. Where <laughs> well, did you get hit? No, <laughs> it's like what yeah. Mike Tyson said. You know, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. So, 
Yeah, you know? yeah, that's the thing, man. You have to, uh, you know, stay committed, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a meditation, you know. Yeah, um, people don't the, the footwork is probably the hardest thing out of all of it. Oh uh, well, that depends, man. Not if you, you know, not if you, not if you keyed in like myself, you know. Right. <laughs> well, you have to wait for the. There's a documentary coming out about my new boxing career. What it's called? I, I, I'm. It's not got a title yet. Okay. Uh, presently, it's called L.A. Runner. Okay. Um, but yeah, but that's just a working title. All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so when's your next fight? <laughs> uh, week on Tuesday. All right. Cool. Good luck. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. Keep them up. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, so I I heard that you played Lennon's bass on uh, the recording in the meantime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How'd that come about? Um, well, it's a long story, man. I don't know if I want to bore your uh, <laughs> your listeners, right? <laughs> oh, is this this is? But I'm I'm. You're gonna put this on. Are we gonna be? Am I gonna be in the camera? Is the camera gonna be out there? No, I'm just gonna lift no. it up. Yeah, because just, just gonna no, yeah, black yeah. black it out. Yeah, no one wants to see my face. Um, anyway, so. No, all mine, especially what with the boxing with injury, the boxing. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, be alarming. Yeah. Well, oh. So how, you know, I met Sean um, through this girl, Jenny Gold, and um, my brother knew, Anthony knew, uh, and met in London before he ever came to New York. Okay. And she, at the school she went to on the Upper West Side in New York, was, um, was good, was, um, they they had a chaperone system at school, so every child, every older child, was given a younger child to sort of chaperone, yeah. and she just happened to be put with Sean Lennon, hmm. and so um, we before Richard joined the band, we made a demo of In the Meantime, which you can hear it's on the film Nadia. Which okay. was made by Michael Aaron Yeda. I don't find out how you say that properly, but but anyway, um, he's a friend of mine back then, and um, um, he came. Sean came to the studio after we made the, that recording with Jenny, and um, he couldn't believe it, you know, and he really liked it. And then I went back to the Dakota with him, and. Um, it was like, I don't know quite how it happened, but I ended up borrowing a bass, uh, Rickenbacker bass, and um, went back and we had a few sessions. The recording wasn't finished. I remember Sean being shot. We went back to the Dakota, which was which was um, a Yoko and John's original apartment okay. when they first moved in there, which is actually below... Um, Yoko's now apartment okay. there, um, one floor below, sort of a smaller apartment. Um, but really, incredible. it was profound being in that space. I was only 21, you know, I come straight from Leeds and 
And I was struck by Sean's sort of um, dignity, really, and sort of sovereignty almost, you know, natural. For such a young man, right? young boy, he was, you know, he was about my son's age now, maybe a bit younger, actually. And he just was really poised, and and, and I, I was struck by that. And, um, you know, he still is. We ran in, into each other not so long ago in, in an apple, at an apple. Okay. It was, it was kind of funny. So, yeah. Um, but I love Sean uh, very much. Yeah. And uh, um, he sings on – I just want to clear this up, okay. actually, because um, the Sean that's credited on Resident Alien – is Sean Lennon, the singer on Starside, the song Starside. And um, I just put Sean, I made those titles, those those credits myself on my typewriter, my apartment on 110th Street in Broadway, New York. And um, I just didn't want to put Lennon name because I didn't want to sort of co-opt right. that or sort of, you know, at the time, I mean, and he subsequently was quite angry with me for not putting Lennon up. Okay. You know, I should have put Sean Ono Lennon. That's his yeah. name. And right. I wasn't, I just, I, I don't know. I can't really explain it. I was very young at the time. And as I say, I was making sure I was writing out these things myself, which, you know. Yeah. Which I did. So, yeah. Okay. But um, I apologize, Sean. Publicly to right. you here and now for not including you in the credits. So henceforth, let it be known that that is Sean Lennon singing backing vocals on Starside.
so so yeah so is that when you came up with the ray sprinkles uh name for the credits as well <laughs> that was ray sprinkles was johnny craig because uh, johnny worked in a cafe that's where i met him originally on second avenue and um he i was very very poor at the time i right. still am by the yeah. way you should know <laughs> i mean people think i'm very wealthy but i'm not yeah i uh, i don't want to own anything right. um um, but Johnny would make me a free cappuccino in the morning on my way to the studio. I worked at Baby Monster Recording Studios. And he would ask me, would you like sprinkles, meaning the chocolate stuff, yeah. you know, on the top of the thing? Because that's it was his job. He made coffee okay. in the morning. Um, and he'd give me a free bagel with uh, cream cheese on it, you know, too. It just it was so sweet, right. and I was, you know, man, I was literally starving. I was a starving yeah. artist, you know, right. no money. I was eating food out of the garbage at the studio, the recording studio. People, oh. you know, finish the food and yeah. put it in the trash, and I had the keys to the studio, which was great. So I'd eat the food they'd left over, and stay all night and record till like five in the morning. You know, sleep on the couch. I had my own tape, my own two-inch tape. Yeah. So, but there was all sorts of bands in there, like the Ramones, Dinosaur Junior, right? You know, Pavement. You know, Bryce Goggin did all these records. He was okay. the assist- he did the- he was the assistant on a lot of these records, right. and I was the like just the general dog's body, basically. Yeah. I was the guy moving the mic stands, but I was there. I heard, I, I, I saw it all happened. You know, I got a lot of ideas from that time. It was a really important time for me. Yeah, you know, and New York was such a great place at that time creatively on all levels not just in music but but you know my world ended up in music and and you know it was just it was not to harp onto a sort of thing but the 90s mid 90s early to mid 90s you know i think was the was the real the catalyst to what came you know like the strokes and all that sort of thing that came into poll that came out right you know that thing but um it sort of happened before that in a weird way. And uh, it wasn't all just, you know, we were sort of put down as this sort of glam rock band and David Bowie and all that. And, and, uh, and uh, what, you know, Lou Reed or whatever. But it was so much more than that, you know, that the band were informed by yeah. at that time and the, and the collective energy that ultimately, ultimately became the, the ultimate, you know, um, creative force of the band um which was the four of us with bryce you know right. i think yeah and seymour you know being just a great yeah a, a great you know so we have to think of new ways to come up with seymour's and that's maybe where the internet can be more helpful you know right uh, than it is right now and creating ways of patronage you know so um the second album the, the chinese album which i, I really liked as well it took a couple of years after Resident Alien to come out, and then you know was obviously wasn't successful. Why? Why do you feel that way? Why do I feel what way? I mean, commercially, you know, it didn't, you know, compare oh. to uh, the first album. Um, hmm. Well, I guess because people didn't buy as many of them. Was there like a lot of pressure on you guys from the, the record company? Oh, uh, you! I think there was pressure on people. Yeah, uh, um, 
Yeah, there was pressure, man. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I mean, it was a big. Uh, with the, all sorts of things happen, man. There, the behind the scenes, um, we moved labels from Electra to Warner Brothers from the East Coast to the West Coast. Okay. So yeah. Um. It was, you know, there's lots of, I think, reasons why the record didn't connect. But, you know, um, I think also what was going on at that time was very different in America, particularly subsequently. And then you sort of had this, you had this sort of upsurge of sort of a violent um, thing and like a sort of limp biscuit thing yeah. and all that thing, you know, which... Which was not what felt, you know, um, interesting to me. Right. So, um, yeah, I guess that became overshadowed by by a more sort of obvious um, thrust of of that sort of music at that time, you know. Um, and and as a result, this sort of there was a thing, you know. I think when Kurt Cobain died, and um, uh, you know, because he really brought about a change, you know, in the way that not just music is, but all sorts of things, you know, gender and right. relationships to 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 that, and 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 yeah creativity you know extraordinary extraordinary creativity um um and i think somewhat there were other things that came around at that time musically that were of of, of a similar thing you know there was a sort of deeper a deeper uh, resonance was you know in terms of the music think yeah um but it went a little different and uh i think that 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 became difficult for that record to sort of get over the, over the sort of those hurdles because it wasn't such an obvious record and also honestly it had been re-delivered back to me okay. to redo because i'd put some um recordings on there from a film that um they hadn't secured the um rights to okay and wouldn't they said be able to and that i needed to change it so there is a version of the chinese album and the only person who i know and i was saying this to my son yesterday yeah. that has a copy of it is Liz. oh wow she's, okay. she's got it on cd somewhere and she's the ultimate like you know hoarder yeah and uh <laughs> she gets everything you know, yeah. she's, she's got it. She's got it. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I don't know where it is. I, anyway, but yeah, some uh, there is another version that that I think works better. Okay. Um, has a few different songs and a few more songs actually. I think um, it's a bit different. Yeah. Would you ever consider like reimagining that? Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, uh, I don't see what the big deal is personally. It was an old movie from the nineteen forties. Right, it wasn't like you know, um, 
anyway, I think it was something to do with, I don't know what it was, man, but it's really one of those unfortunate things. That's why I fully, I don't mind people sampling my stuff. Yeah. Either, you know, in some way, shape or form. Right. Different to sort of steal someone's idea. Yeah. You know, that's different. That's, that's, or, un, you know what I mean? That's just, no, that's no, just not, not, not interesting. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but I think the record stands up today. Yeah. For what it, for what it is uh, now. And, um, you know, uh, it means a lot to me. It's strangely that one, you know, I remember spending a lot of time riding it in France in the countryside. It's strange. Bring it back to bring it back to Ziggy. Right. Again. Um but yeah, it's strange, isn't it, really? We all have these different sort of including you know, the sort of the person that sort of puts it out there. Yeah. You know, that's all I do. And that's the thing about releasing something, yeah. you know? Um, and that's what I hope people see in this, or can feel in this experience of listening to these songs yeah. down the line, you know? Right, absolutely. Particularly on the vinyl, because um, there's, a, there's, a, there's an analog form that that suggests yeah. to, the, to the ear that puts one in that time you know again as yeah. well in a beautiful beautiful way um and it's also really good for in dare i say independent artists yeah. um, like myself today you know um my favorite song of not just a particular album of yours a real waste of food from hogacy i absolutely love love that song Traveling any faster With a garrulous 
And I know that album also, you can say, different period. It was you know, a couple of years after the Chinese album. That was like, it's the age of when Napster started and, and whatnot. The music industry can really shift. And I felt that album kind of, you know, got lost in, in the shuffle as well, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I don't really like that. Good album, okay. So I, I personally am not, I mean, again, maybe I think, don't think it, but that's to do with my own experience. I think of it and sort of, right. um, you know, sort of disassociation of ourselves and to ourselves and to each other, the band. You know, okay. I was sort of like the beginning of that. I think, and um, but people like that record, man. So who am I to say? You know, it, right. for me, for me, it was not such a. Um, a joyous, but it doesn't always have to be, you know, making yeah. something, you know what I mean? And yeah. that was hard, hard man, dark at times, um, but also really light at times too. You know, we'd had many attempts at making that record that were uh, subsequently, um, you know, thwarted yeah. and abandoned. Right. Um, so there are many recordings out there. We did, we, yeah, we, we did a whole series with Sean Slade and Paul mm -hmm. Caldery. We worked with Radiohead and all that on their, on their early record, I guess. Uh, we did another record version with Bryce, I think. I did, I produced some of it that was canned. Um, there's all sorts of recordings. That, and then we got to, you know, change labels and be um, with um, Danny Goldberg and um, 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 also Daniel Glass then before he started doing Glass Note. Okay. He was doing Artemis with, with um, 
with um, Goldberg. Okay. Danny. Right. <laughs> so do you remember where you were the first time you heard like one of your songs on the radio? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I remember, I remember before Space Hunk too. I heard my music on the radio, the TV before Space Hunk. So, mm. so yeah. But the first thing within the meantime being a sort of hit thing was I was in the back of the cab in New York, going up, going up um, uh, West End Avenue towards where it hits Broadway. Okay. I remember it was a hill there going up. Going up, and it was in the back of the cab, and <laughs> I was like telling the guy and the driver, yeah. you know, this is me. It didn't, he didn't give a fuck. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Royce, I really appreciate your time today. Um, this oh, my great. pleasure, man. Good, yeah. Good luck with uh, President Alien comes out July 14th. Oh. Everyone check it out, as well as Leeds and uh, the Chain mm-hmm. EP, as well as uh, all the other Space Hog, you know, the back catalog. It's all it's all great. Even Hoggacy, I'm sorry. I like it. But uh, once again, thank you so much, Royston. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And a special thanks to Royston for joining me today. Check him out on Twitter at Royston Langdon. His website is RoystonLangdon.com. President Alien is out this Friday. And if you ever get a suggestion, hit me up on Twitter at the first and all one nine, or like the page Living My Youth on Facebook. You can go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. If you don't have iTunes, not a problem. The show's on SoundCloud, Spotify, Podbean, Amazon Music, basically wherever you can find our podcast. A new episode comes out every week. Stay safe, everybody. We'll see you then.